Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on Hebrews chapter 11 on the subject of faith, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. I was speaking about Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, and I'd like to continue in verse 4. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, where it says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. And in the last program I was speaking about the importance of first recognizing that Abel's faith was manifested as a testimony of his God. He testified of his God. And also that God testified of him. God testified of his faith and of the fact that Abel truly believed and trusted in his God. And in today's program I'd like to expand on this a little bit more, especially concerning Abel both Cain and Abel. You see, when it comes to Cain and Abel, people will normally look at Cain and Abel and they will speak about the fact that Cain did not offer the correct sacrifice, but Abel offered the correct sacrifice. That Cain offered a sacrifice of the vegetables that he grew or the grain that he grew, and Abel offered a blood sacrifice. That's normally how this is presented. I don't believe that that is the direct intent of our God through speaking of Cain and Abel, but I do believe that it is an indirect intent and that there is a lot of truth contained there. And so I'm going to start out with the traditional explanation and refer to that first, and then I'll get into what I believe is really being manifested here concerning the subject of faith. Now, when people speak of Cain and Abel, that's normally how it's spoken of, that Cain, he presented one sacrifice, Abel presented another sacrifice, and through this presentation of offerings it was revealed that our God would look upon us and he would see us as righteous or unrighteous depending on the kind of sacrifice that we offered to him. That's normally how this is presented. Whereas Cain offered a sacrifice of one kind, Abel offered a sacrifice of another, and God used these offerings to say that he wanted one and not the other. And there is some truth to that. I do believe that there is some truth to that. Concerning the offering that Abel made, he offered the blood of the animals that he was tending to in his flock. That Abel was a shepherd over several animals, and he offered of his flock. And by making this offering, he showed that his offering to his God was based on the animal. That it was through the shedding of blood, the shedding of the blood of the animal, that he was going to esteem a right standing between him and his God. 
and yet Cain offered the wrong sacrifice. And as was revealed through the law of Moses, it was revealed that without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sins, that the Lord our God required a shedding of blood in order to establish a right standing between us and him. And so this is spoken of in that context, which I do believe is a real foreshadowing that is expressed here that through the circumstance between Cain and Abel, that there is a foreshadowing that has been revealed, first, through the law of Moses, and second, through a revelation of the Messiah, that it was through the shedding of the Messiah's blood that we are righteous before our God if we believe and trust in the shedding of his blood, just as Abel believed in the shedding of the blood of the animal that he offered that was part of his flock. This is what people normally speak of when they're speaking about Cain and Abel. And again, I do certainly agree with this. However, there's a lot more contained in Genesis chapter 4 concerning Cain and Abel than just that. The first thing I'd like to mention is that if you look at what Cain did versus what Abel did, actually Cain did exactly what God told his father Adam to do. And Abel did not do what God told Adam his father to do. This is the first thing that really grabs my attention when reading through Genesis chapter 4, especially when it comes to Cain and Abel, that when you look at it in this context, you can easily kind of wonder what is really going on here and why would our God look at the offering that Abel made as being a more acceptable offering versus the offering that Cain made. Because when God spoke to Adam in the Garden of Eden when he was being removed, when Adam was being removed from the Garden of Eden, God spoke to him and told him that he was going to have to work the ground. He was going to have to work the soil. He was going to have to pull up weeds. And he was going to have to sweat in order to obtain the food that he needed in order to eat so he could survive. That this was a curse that was placed on Adam and that Adam would need to do this. When Cain was born, he was born in the image of Adam. And he, of course, was the recipient of the decisions that Adam made He certainly experienced the curse that was given to his father, Adam, and he obeyed his God by working the ground. This is the first thing that comes to my mind when I read through this, and that is that Cain was technically obedient to his God. He was obedient to God in the sense that there was a curse that was levied upon him, and he did not deviate from the curse that God placed on humanity. He did not deviate from that. He instead worked the ground. He pulled the weeds. He sweated at his brow. He did everything that his God told him to do. And so when he presented his offering, when he presented his sacrifice, the presentation of his offering was an acknowledgement of the curse that God gave his father Adam. And it was an acknowledgement that he fulfilled what God required. It was his way of saying, look, I have done All that you have said. Abel, on the other hand, if you were to look at it from this perspective, he comes and he brings an animal from his flock. Well, that's not what the Lord said to his father Adam. That was not what he said. He didn't say go and watch the animals. He said work the ground. And so if you were to look at it from this perspective, Cain was obedient to God, but Abel was disobedient to God if you were to look at it from the perspective of the curse that was given in Genesis chapter 3. Here in Genesis chapter 4, we have an illustration that shows that Cain was obedient and Abel was not obedient from this perspective. And when you look at it from that point of view, 
you have to wonder, what does God mean when he says that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain? It certainly is going to be very difficult to understand this if we look at it from the perspective of Genesis chapter 3. Because if we were to do that, we would have to say that it was Cain who was obedient and Abel who was disobedient. Now, I have done a series of programs where I have addressed this in depth in very, very significant detail. And these programs are found as the first two programs in the series that I did on our identity in Christ. And so I would like to refer you to those programs where I have spoken about this subject regarding Cain and Abel with extensive detail to include some very precise translation work that I have done in Genesis chapter 4. And so I would like to encourage you to definitely listen to the first two programs of the series that I did on our identity in Christ, where I talk about this in detail. But for now, I'm just going to mention that this should show you something very unique concerning Cain and Abel, and that if they are going to be righteous and holy before their God, it's going to have to be on the basis of something besides what they were offering. And I believe that what made Abel righteous and Cain unrighteous had nothing to do with the sacrifice in and of itself. I mean, it does say in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. It was a better sacrifice, but I don't think it had to do with the differences between vegetables or grains and the shedding of blood of an animal. I believe it had to do with the condition of their hearts, not with what they did as an expression of their flesh. And in those two programs that I just referred to, I explained that in more detail. But for now, I would just like to say that I believe that it had to do with the condition of their hearts. That when they presented something before God as an offering, that it had to do with the condition of their heart in the presentation. I mean, certainly, when Abel presented his offering, he did so knowing full well that he was not working the ground like God told him to do so through his father Adam. He certainly was testifying of that through the offering that he made. Instead, what I believe was that there was a heartfelt condition that Abel had in comparison with the heartfelt condition that Cain had. Now, if Abel was offering what he had out of what he valued, out of the flock that he kept, then what he was offering was himself personally outside of his obedience. What he was offering was an acknowledgement of who he was versus who his God is. In other words, Cain would go to God saying, look, I have been obedient to you. Abel would go to God and say, look, I acknowledge that I have not really been obedient to you, but I'm going to be honest with you and forthright with you and say, this is who I am. This is what I've got. You're going to have to take it or leave it, in effect. But I'm not going to be deceptive concerning my attitude with respect to this. In other words, Abel acknowledged that his right standing with his God was not going to be based on his obedience or his repentance. On the other hand, Cain appeared to want to establish his right standing with his God on the basis of his obedience, on the basis of his actions, on the basis of what he did. And this is a very important truth that has been revealed to us in the New Covenant. 
in the new covenant, through what the Lord Jesus has done, we have a full, absolute recognition that our right standing before our God is not on the basis of what we have done, but is fully and completely on the basis of what He has done for us in the midst of our sinfulness. And I believe that that is the better sacrifice that Abel offered in comparison with the sacrifice that Cain offered, that the better sacrifice had to do with a better heartfelt condition or a better acknowledgement that he has fully acknowledged that if God is going to accept him, he's going to have to accept him in the midst of his sinfulness and able acknowledge that he would have no right standing with his God outside of the grace and mercy of God. Cain, on the other hand, through his offering and his obedience, he was expressing the fact that his acceptability before his God was in addition to the grace and mercy of God, that it wasn't going to be fully, completely dependent on the grace and mercy of God, but perhaps in addition to that was going to be on the basis of the obedience that Cain expressed, not just on God's mercy. I believe that these are the testimonies of Cain and Abel, that Cain testified that it was not just about God's mercy, but it was also about his obedience. Abel, on the other hand, testified that it was about God's mercy and not about his obedience. That is the testimony that is expressed through Abel. Abel believed the truth that he would never be able to obtain his right standing with his God. Now, he did not sin. He did not sin by watching the flock and not pulling up weeds. He did not sin. There was no commandment of God where he said, do not watch the animals. When I say obedience, I'm not referring to the notion that Abel was totally disobedient and sinful and evil. That's not what I'm saying, because that isn't what God said. I'm saying that only in the context of the perception of Cain versus the perception of Abel and how Cain could have observed Abel as being disobedient in comparison with him who he believed was obedient. But this is the testimony. The testimony of Abel is that if Abel is going to be right with his God, it's only going to be on the basis of the grace and mercy of God. Cain, on the other hand, through his offering, was testifying that it could also have been on the basis of his obedience to the curse that was given to his father Adam. That's the issue between Cain and Abel. And so when it says in verse 4, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. Well, righteousness is only granted on the basis of grace and mercy, and on the basis of a person believing and trusting in the grace and mercy of God. To present the offering that he did, he first testified of the grace and mercy of God, that that is all that is of value. Not his offering, not his sacrifice, but God's mercy is what is of value. That is the testimony of the sacrifice of Abel. And God then testified of Abel, that his offering was acceptable, that he was acceptable because his offering and his testimony was of the grace and mercy of God. And so God's acknowledgement of Abel's faith was a testimony of Abel. And through the faith of Abel, because of Abel's faith, even though Abel is dead, 
God still speaks of the faith of Abel, and Abel still speaks of his God who grants righteousness on the basis of grace and mercy, not on the basis of sacrifice and offerings. And so while I do certainly agree, and I do believe that there is a foreshadowing that is revealed here concerning the Lord Jesus and his offering, his sacrifice, the shedding of his blood, that that is the means by which we can have a right relationship with our God, I do see that as a foreshadowing. What I don't want to do is neglect that which is obvious to me, and that is that Abel believed that his God would only have a relationship with him on the basis of his grace and mercy. Abel testified of that, and through that, God testified of Abel, of his faith. Abel believed God. Abel believed in the truth that we know and we understand today, that this is a truth that existed back then, and this is a truth that exists today. And we who believe in Christ Jesus, we respond to this truth, the truth that there is no way that we can have righteousness, that we can be right with our God outside of his grace and mercy. We acknowledge that truth. And we respond to that truth. We respond by believing and trusting that that is true and that he has made the provision in order to bring us to him. We believe that. We trust in that. And we live our daily lives responding to that truth. We respond to that by being at peace, by being at rest and no longer pursuing a right standing with our God, but instead living with the right standing that we do have. And when we live with the right standing that we do have, we are able to move forward in our lives with a new relationship that we now have with our God that is not based on what we do or what we don't do. It is not based on a sacrifice or an offering that we may make. It is based solely on the sacrifice and offering that he made. It is based solely on what he has done on our behalf. And through that, we begin by resting. We begin by trusting that he accepts us fully. And we enjoy that acceptance. We live our daily lives with the full, complete acceptance and love that he has for us. And when we engage the world, we engage the world with the love and acceptance that we have from our God. We engage the world with the peace that we have with our God. And with that, we are able to engage the world and the tribulations that we encounter. We are able to engage all of that, all that is before us, with the peace that our God gives to us as we are able to trust in Him and rely on Him and wait with great expectation to see how he will reveal himself next, so that we can see his testimony of himself, so that we can see him for who he is. And when we see him for who he is, we will believe that what he has revealed is true. And we will respond to the truth that he has revealed to us. And we will then testify of the reality of who he is. And he also will testify of us, people, who are people of faith, who trust and believe in the true and living God, who he knows as we know him. He will testify that we are his children. You know, another really interesting aspect concerning this has to do with the name Abel. 
You know, the name Abel has a distinct meaning. It means that it is all in vain, that everything is in vain. I believe that Adam and Eve, his parents, named him Abel because when they gave birth to Cain, they thought that he was going to be the fulfillment of what was expressed in Genesis chapter 3 concerning the coming of the Messiah, and that Cain would be the fulfillment of the curse that was given to his mother Eve concerning the bearing of children, that she would experience pain in childbirth, and that there would be a reconciliation through that. I do believe that Adam and Eve were first thinking of Cain as the one who had arrived and who would be the fulfillment, who would be the Messiah to them. That certainly did not turn out to be the case, but I do believe that that was their initial belief as it was expressed through the name Cain that meant, here he is. But when Abel came, well, that certainly could be unexpected, especially if they were making that initial assumption. And I explain this in detail in those two programs I was referring to in our Identity in Christ So I'm not going to get into that in detail right now. For now, I'd just like to mention that Abel also had a name, and that was, it is all in vain. And I do believe that they were saying that it is all in vain to continue to go through the pain of childbearing, of bearing children, that that was in vain, that what they were doing was in vain, because it seemed to be something that was continuing, and there was no reconciliation to the extent where they were going to be able to go back into the Garden of Eden. I think that that's what they were thinking, as was expressed by the names that they gave their children. But for Abel to be named, it is all in vain. It's not just a matter of the actions that we have being in vain, or the behavior that we have being in vain, that the lives that we live are in vain. I don't think that that's all that's being said there. I would suggest that the lives that we live in trying to be holy, the lives that we live in trying to be righteous, are definitely vain lives, that to live that way is to live in vain, that the world that we are now a part of, that the world that we now have is all vain, it's all vanity, it has no real value anymore, it has value to the extent that our God is able to use the world and the circumstances of our world as a means of drawing people to him, and he can also use this world in order to reveal more of who he is personally, but that that is what is important, that that is what is not in vain. What is not in vain is the fact that we now have an opportunity to know our God, that everything in this world is in vain except for our God and our relationship with him, that all of the relationships that we have with other people are in vain in that sense. Because everyone will be accountable uniquely and independently and individually with their God. That they also have a unique opportunity to know him in this life experience. And that that is the only true important thing that will be defined throughout all eternity. That our health is all in vain because we are going to die. The death rate is still approximately one per person. I mean, certainly Enoch got out early, and so did Elijah. But besides them, the death rate is one per person. And so to pursue life, believing that you will always have perfect health, is definitely a life of vanity. A life of pursuing wealth and prosperity is also complete vanity. All of that is in vain. And Abel testifies that not only are our actions in vain, but also our pursuits are in vain. And the things that we hope to acquire and accomplish, these things are all in vain. That there is no hope in these things. And the only thing 
that will ever matter, the only thing that will not be consumed with the vanity of life, the only thing that will remain is our personal individual relationship with our God that is not defined by the things of the world, but is solely defined by the fulfillment in our hearts, the peace in our being, and the completeness that occurs when the creation and the Creator are united as one. Do you believe this? Do you truly believe this? Is this belief reflected in your daily life? Is this belief reflected in the decisions that you make concerning today and tomorrow and the future goals that you have? Is this really reflected in the decisions that you make and the goals that you establish? Is this belief really manifested in the way that you truly live? Do you respond to this truth in your daily life? Do you respond? Will you respond to the truth that there is nothing in this world that will fulfill the deepest needs of your heart? If you will respond to that truth, and if your life is a reflection of that truth, then you live as a testimony of your God, and He will testify of you, giving His acknowledgement that your faith is real. And through that mutual experience, a bond will be forged between you and your God of a sober recognition of what reality truly is, of what this world around you is really for, of who your God is and of what He is doing, a sober-minded reality that will not lead you to despair, but will lead you to peace, acknowledging the truth. That yes, there is an awful lot here that has no real fundamental meaning, and that he does, but that is not an opportunity to be depressed. That is an opportunity to be thankful, and to live a life of thankfulness in who he is, and in what he's given to you, and in what he is going to continue to give you, as there are so many things that your God wants to reveal to you, that he can reveal to you. If you understand that fundamental truth, because there are so many things that he can share with you, that he wants to share with you, that depend on your understanding that. Otherwise, there are many things that you're just simply going to have a hard time relating to. But I do believe he will be patient concerning your faith and concerning where you are, and he will continue to encourage you to depend and trust in him more. Do so, and be at peace. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net